Welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on a level. To interact with us, we love seeing you live every Thursday night in Facebook or on YouTube land. The chats are always fun. And just a reminder, your chats may show up on the show. And as always, if you can't catch us live, listen to us the next day or soon thereafter on your favorite podcasting app or in the replay. You know me. My name is John Rewark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. Next up, we have Jason Richards. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Awesome. My name is Jason Richards. I'm past master of Vacation Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, member of the Colonial Lodge number 1821 in Washington, D.C., and also member of Lafayette Lodge number 79 in Zanesville, Ohio. Excellent. Excellent. Next up, Joe Martinez. How's it going, Joe? Ooh, hello. Hello. Worshipful. Hi. Yeah. Worshipful in perpetuity. Negative. Negative. Two more months. NPM. Two more months. Two more months. Joe Martinez. Life, life master in perpetuity. Four more, more years. Four more years. But two more months. So Joe Martinez, worshipful master, Manassas Lodge number 182 for two more months. And um, yeah, member of other things, other lodges. Uh, Benjamin B. French uh, was there last night. Awesome group of bros. Um, and guy, and I'm already looking at the comments. There will be bands happening momentarily. <laughs> But yeah, Joe Martinez, great to be here. All that stuff. Great to have you. Awesome. Well, here we go. Let's get right to business and pay the bills. Thank you guys very much for being patrons who support the show. You Thank guys you, rock. You, you rock our socks. Um, and um, Guys and yeah. gal, not guys. And gals, yeah. We actually That's have true. a few very kind ladies that are supporting the show as well. So head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable to keep this free Masonic education Free as in Freemasonry. What? Ooh. Masonry is never free. Free as in speech? I don't know. Keep the show for a while. That sounded very Grand Lodgy. Yeah, Keep it going. Keep it going. Freedom! Freedom costs a buck. Freedom! Ryan Flynn's like rolling around. (laughs) That's the reference. Yes. Awesome. Okay, let's now go to Tarot Card of the Week. so let's bring up the tarot cam right jason you got that i need a tarot cam the tarot cam all right i want a tarot cam so uh this week we have the uh golden tarot of the tsar the tsar the tsar is an incorrect transliteration really of the cyrillic yes it is tsar like t-s-a-r C-Z-A-R went out of style like in the 1980s. Hmm. Why do we care? Because I like I being love, right. I love when people watch us together in a group. That's awesome. That is pretty cool. What's up, bros? Sweet. All right. So today's tarot card of the week is the Queen of Pentacles. Ooh coin lady we had queen of wands the other time yeah now let's talk about uh queen of coins 
Queen of right. Coins, yes. So, Queen of Pentacles is always a motherly, down-to-earth, practical... Nurturing. Um, nurturing, uh, stable, grounded, like woman figure, right? So, think about the female figures in your life that uh, uh, are very matriarchal as far as, like, you know, have their stuff together, you respect their opinions... Right. Basically, they're, they're, all of our all of our wives. Yes, keeping show. keeping the yes. house in order. Exactly. We are not we are not this card. <laughs> no, none of us. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good card. Robert's think, here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was. Yeah, I think every when when you were describing this card, all I could think of was my financially responsible nana. Yeah. She's, right. She's, she's holding buying, the coin purse. Buying Christmas presents all year long. <laughs> Got to find a good deal. Special. Generosity and opulence. Op- yeah, you know what? That's I could see that's that. for sure. Because because it's kind of like the top tier before you get to King of Coin, right? <clears throat> Which, you know, is abundance and all of those other things. But on the feminine side, it's like, you know, in, in, in the hierarchical structure of the tarot, it's like, you know, one tier below. But the opulent, that's a really great word for that card, I think. Opulence. Very cool. Yeah, and the queen of... What are you looking for, Jason? I was looking for the saint that the the Orthodox saint that the queen of uh, coins represented, and I... I cannot find it. Saint Cheapskate of Avila. <laughs> yes. Saint Saint Discount. <laughs> is she of Black holding Friday. A, is she holding are you sure that's not a pumpkin? No, actually, can you can you uh bring the coin closer to the camera? Yeah. Focus. Ooh. Oh man. So that's tight because that coin that she's holding is the same it's a sphere. And it's the same sphere. If you're all at home, you pull out your uh, playing card deck and you pull out a king and you look for the sphere that he's holding. It's that sphere. Pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. A little Rex Mundi action. Yeah. Everybody. All right. Well, good stuff. So let's uh, segue into tonight's topic, which is on masonic oaths and obligations so tonight we're going to talk about uh, why do we have them what are they used for and some of the misconceptions about their effectiveness and should we even have those in the modern society that we have so let's jump right in oaths right why do we have them that's that's the big question it, what are a, they good for <laughs> it's well, a we can't talk part. about it yeah i'm not allowed to say yep sorry short so that's the show good night everybody Looking up, let's find a copy of Duncan's. But mechanically, yeah. <laughs> hypothetically, no, but mechanically, like they serve a purpose that is a little anachronistic because our fraternity uses these as devices to enforce commitments as well as kind of hold us, bind us to the fraternity. So I guess the to, to start broad, like what are they what are they for? as we use them today in Freemasonry. So primary reason for their usage in Freemasonry is to encourage candidates and brethren to keep the secret modes of recognition. 
Like, don't reveal the passwords, don't reveal the ritual work. Yeah, that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. At what least, else? you know, at least from a, you know, a, a you know, literal interpretation. There's, you know, there's, there's two elements there that, that I think we can take a step deeper. Like, if that's the onion, you know, the skin's off. First layer is, of course, that... Uh, why is an obligation effective? Well, that's that'll be coming up next, right? So I think that's really something that we should focus on. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely going to go down deeper. But so we have the well, protect the secrets. Stop skipping ahead, RJ. Yeah, I know, RJ. Fine, fine, I fine. will. Fine, I'll just. Well, you got like John was saying. You've got the here's your guardrails, and then the next part of it is usually. These are the things you should not do or do the affirmatives and the, and yeah. the negatives. Right. So what you think? That? Yes. Yeah. So any, any student of uh, Masonic history will see a lot of similarities to the structure of the Masonic chart, like the old charges, right? Yes. Because uh, these are the things Shaw that, statutes. right. That we are supposed to do just in our normal duties as a subservient member of this fraternity this lodge right this craft right so we have things that we should do um with our within our ability to to do it that there are certain things that we have to respond to we have to um you know just treat treat the uh, the order and operations of the lodge so for example right um <clears throat> we have to listen to the officers of the lodge right we have to when they are doing their job as officers Structurally, mechanically, we have to make sure that we are abiding by that, right? So they can perform their duties, right? So that's, those are simple, structural, almost uh, logistical, almost bureaucratic, I guess you would even say. Just these are things you have to do in order to maintain a well-governed lodge. Yeah. So protect secrets and keep order are some of the, the well, two and, reasons and- why we have them. And take care of your brothers, right? Sure. You know, you know, look out, look out for your brothers, and their minions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. So then, so not just following officers' orders, but then, as other peers in the craft, what are we um, promising to to do in order to keep keep care of of each other and treat ourselves like a fraternity and not just like you know a drinking club at the Elks or the American when music. you say that, it's really mm-hmm. interesting because the show art that we used for this evening's program was something that had actually been posted many, many years ago when we talked about some stuff. Um, we were griping about this consistent or this constant sort of bickering that gentlemen were having on the Facebook air, uh, land, and they were like... Uh, Oh, you're revealing too much. Remember your, remember your oaths. Yeah, oaths. And so we started joking that it was honey bunches of oaths, um, chock full of some things that you can't say. <laughs> and, well, and yeah, <laughs> and so <laughs> the funny part about this really was that when when John, when you were just saying like. Uh, 
to be, you know, kind of accountable to take care of your brother and all of these things. These are all pretty universal examples of uh, what's what's in the oaths and the obligations of a Freemason. Sure. But also, uh, a lot of times people would just start hemming and hawing about some thing that that they thought was a breach of the uh, obligation of a Freemason. And what I found, I think what everybody thought was funny about Why are it, there women in this Facebook group? <laughs> this open Why Facebook are you putting group? stuff tattoos? You got a Masonic it, tattoo. You're, yeah. You're, remember your so, oath. So this is a, so, okay. Then the thing that we were talking about with Nick back in the day was this was one of those things that led into the conversation of provincial masonry. Yes. And we started explaining to brothers like the true um, global sort of fraternity is very different and that there are obligations and parts of your obligation that I haven't taken. Right. Guaranteed. Yep. Same. You know what I mean? Like, I know for a fact. Looking at you, Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, our good friend Scott Duball, past state education officer, Grand Lodge, Illinois. He got obligated in Indiana. And there is something specific that he was not obligated to that I was. And it's nowhere in his ritual. You know, so there's. I all bet I know. <laughs> yeah, you probably do know. So. <laughs> But it's but it is interesting, right? Like well, this is I'm the curious. whole it's the whole thing. All these oaths and obligations are there to protect a very wide variety of different you know, promises, lack yeah, of for, a better word. So it's funny you say that. For a universal fraternity, we really have a poor job of having consistent rules. Well, let me just put it that way. Uh but, but there are I no innovations in masonry. No, none none whatsoever. And the landmarks are immutable. Until they aren't. Until Next they question aren't. is, okay, <laughs> so, so we've established why we have them. Now the question becomes, well, what makes them binding, right? What's preventing someone from saying, I don't want to follow that. I well, mean, I'm just look at Pritchard's masonry dissected. <laughs> it's elaborate. Say more. So masonry dissected was the, um, arguably the first and and yeah i would say one of the first masonic exposés it's the first known um expose of the ma the modern master masons degree and it caused such an uproar in the premier grand lodge of england that because of it they changed around their passwords mm -hmm. because they thought there were going to be you know Cowans and eavesdroppers trying sure. to get into, uh, trying to weasel their way into lodges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they thought we were like, you know, a midnight release party for the latest Pokemon deck. <laughs> we're not. But so, so my question is more of what's preventing someone from violating those, right? I mean, we, we promise to do things. Joe. Yes. Dr. Ruark, I have an answer. Okay. So, yes. Yes. So, traditionally, uh, there is that, you know, regardless of how our jurisdictions treat our, our obligations differently and the words are different. And, you know, in some places, 
you get to promise some extra stuff where in others you don't there there's that common thread that it's all bound under that belief in a supreme being right and i think right. exactly traditionally and you know we could talk about the modern context of it but traditionally it was uh there were less choices when it came to supreme beings when you you know started in early speculative masonry in mm -hmm. europe for sure but um it's that common thread that we all hold the belief in something greater than ourselves and the obligation is taken in respect to that and not to robert or jason right. you know it's not something at our level it's something that transcends the mundane or at least it's supposed to on paper Yeah, exactly. So we, we do make a, a promise to God and, and our brethren, like that we're going to, to follow these. Right. So that, that should be binding enough, Robert. Yeah. So this is like my whole interesting thing that I, that I, I believe there is a fundamental misunderstanding within the fraternity about the necessity for belief in deity, the oath and obligation. And, mm -hmm. um, Actually, like when they talk about a belief in a life to come and all uh, th those kind of get encapsulated. And they, what they need to do for me is to further define these things. Uh, because for one, uh, when we say uh, that you have to have a belief in a supreme being, uh, the ritual states, and this is open ritual for Illinois anyway, uh, plain printed, you can read it on the net. It says that your belief in deity was necessary. Otherwise, no oath or obligation would be considered binding upon you. So, from this standpoint, the belief in deity uh, essentially is not some sort of a moral code issue. It's one of two things it's your honor bound oath to your right. creator exactly or it is a fear of judgment in the afterlife for having broken an obligation that you swore to god mm -hmm. so well, it's, it's a measure of accountability right divine accountability divine, divine accountability power higher than yourself so which is the only thing that can truly hold you accountable the circular part of this comes back around when i think well yes i believe in a creator i don't think i would ever swear to my creator and then break that promise that's just not who you know a lot of us are right um a lot, not all. Not, not all. all. Sure, <laughs> right? But then the next question is, what if you don't believe in judgment? Then we're left to Ooh, yeah. Then yeah, we're well. left to look at the obligation as swearing to your deity uh, as essentially a uh, a moral and ethical consideration rather than anything else. And then further, you can look at your um, 
what we would call irregular and even clandestine lodges out there Mm -hmm. that don't require belief in deity swear to something else. And these are, these are based on like psychological commitments. Swear to me. Yeah. The the Batman, (laughs) um, your, your formal accountability, even um, we use social pressure, even, even if this isn't enough, right? Because we do have oaths and obligations of which there are, consequences symbolically uh, that are largely uh, uh, moral or what I would call um, social pressures uh, for our small groups. Mm. Uh, Joe. Yeah. I have comments on that. So I, you muted yourself or Jason. (laughs) Jason Like the evil. Yeah. He's a jerk. Um, what I was going to say was as you wish, as you wish, um, I, I was kind of, uh, I, I was hoping RJ would go there with, with this conversation, uh, because when I was referring to how people looked at oaths traditionally, you know, in the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries, shall we say, and, and our modern interpretations has a lot to do with what, what Robert said, um, and the whole thing of judgment. So I would say traditionally, I think the overwhelming fear in most of our organized religions was a sense of judgment and hereafter, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that in, in the new agey sense of the term, a lot of people have come to grips with just the fact that you acknowledge and you understand that there's more to you than just this absolutely stunningly gorgeous Latino dude that you see on YouTube every week. There is more than that, right? There is I'm waiting for the comments. Um, no, none. Uh, there's more than, than just this, right? So I, I don't think you need, you don't need the specter of judgment moving over you to have an appreciation for respecting the fact that there is a creator and that you were made for a purpose, you know, we don't know what that purpose is, or, you know, if you've ever figured it out, but you know, there is a reason why you are here. And I think that's awesome enough without the threat of getting your hiney spanked, you know? So then the next question arises, if it was under the threat of a, an existential, um, being or, uh, to punish you for the, the violation of it, and may or may not be relevant in that same way anymore. Why still do some Masons not follow through or break their obligations? Because they're poopy heads. Something comes to mind here. Talk amongst yourselves while I pull up the quote. All right. Off he goes into the archives. Well, I'm scared to talk now knowing that I might disagree with what he brings up. Well, so why do why do you some, all will agree? I guarantee okay. it. Why do some Masons not uphold their their obligations? Um, they took the same oath we did, right? So yeah, and you know maybe maybe it gets to the point where that oath just doesn't mean much to them. But it meant it meant something to me. I intend to keep mine. We all took the same one, so no, we didn't. Well. No, we didn't. Those were that are under the jurisdiction of the Grand Lodge of Virginia did. All right. I didn't. You found it? 
I got it. Go for it. So in light of Freemasonry being just a fraternity, man, they say uh, an observation I made was that none of these brothers referencing the ritual of this fraternity to support their claim. Is it just being a fraternity? It made me wonder if they've ever listened to the actual words of the rituals and facilitate becoming a full member of its fraternity. It's hard to not conclude that many of these ritual words are just fancy but meaningless paper bows and ribbons on the package of membership. Oof. Somehow these brothers haven't fully realized that words of our rituals are meant to teach real lessons, provide real instructions and urge real efforts to learn and grow spiritually and philosophically. End quote, Chuck Dunning. <laughs> Boom, show's over. Yeah, so Chuck, I think in this, that just like sparked this, this thing. I remember reading this because I remember reading this and thinking, I don't know that I could articulate the reasoning for why dudes consistently negate Right. The tenets of masonry. Exactly. Other than this sentence, words are just fancy, but meaningless paper bows and ribbons on the package of membership. It's like, ew, it feels icky even reading that. It does. But we it's know very, that. well, I've been using the term lately, the like Masonic cosplaying, right? We're yep. just going through the motions. We're going through the actions that are expected of us, but we don't internalize it, right? We're not. Yep living it out we're not living our obligations right we're just we are not inculcating the tenets of the order <laughs> we're not definitely not following the right so inculcate in that case, with the meaning mm. of your heel taking a step yeah so i mean that's a problem right when we have brethren that for all intents and purposes are still recognized legal lawful masonic brothers and yet they are either taking a different obligation or they are um, not following theirs. Uh, so then what do you do then? Right? <laughs> yeah. So what if the obligations are speculative? What if your face is speculative? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I think Jason just ended all of Freemasonry right now. <laughs> so that's no, fraternity. We had, I have, I have speculative faces. I, as soon as you said that, uh, John, I was thinking of the conversation we literally just had in the green room where we, and I'll be super generic. There's a dude who, uh, bro, a bro who we know has definitely, definitely not lived up to the tenets of Freemasonry and definitely broken his obligation. Absolutely. Absolutely. In half, but he's got the, um, you know, he's got the ribbons and the jewels and the, and accolades and the, you know, he's, he's done so much of this and that he's been, trophy. he's been to enough crab feasts and pancake breakfasts that, you know, it, it it's looking like this man's going to get a pass. Um, so, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Trey Mason. Um, you know, I think that the institution of Freemasonry, you know, the administration of Freemasonry is definitely, different than the the speculative transformative art that we would like it right. to be you know i think they're honestly two separate yeah. things so then the the question becomes has the pinky swear basically 
uh, exhausted its usefulness after 300 years of organized Freemasonry. Uh, because we can't, if we say that that is a binding verbal contract, then why don't we just skip skip through the 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 workaround and actually just go straight to a contract? Like, what if we actually made it a binding legal document that you know you are going to obligate yourself to, and that that would certainly, I would hope, help have some people take it a little bit more seriously. And if not, if they're still going to be in the, uh, what are the words you use, Robert? The, uh, the, the bows and ribbons of masonry. Paper, right? bows, and ribbons. Yeah. If they're mm. going to treat it that way and then still not follow it, now we actually can have some legal recourse. Well, I mean, it's still punishment-based. It's fear and punishment-based. Of, of a judicial system, and not, not of an invisible. Be, wouldn't deer. this be Start it out there. Check this out. At NDA. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So imagine, if you will, a fraternity that's gone from uh, operative to speculative. That's supposed to build the man philosophically and spiritually, and yet uh, doesn't really know how to do that in today's world, other than measuring things from a tangible nature, which would be like measuring one's accomplishments by the amount of monetary contributions that person gives to such and such a thing and they get a ribbon or a bow or a special medal, right? And then that person just becomes Mr. Mason and that's so great and amazing. And yet uh, the expectations of these men are still considered speculative and non-tangible assets uh, or non-tangibly measurable. But if you were to actually contractually bind them, now you've hit them where it hurts both uh, in both aspects of the craft. You've made Freemasonry uh, no longer consider, uh, you know, spiritual growth a thing, right? Now we're all just about the dollars, the tangible things. And uh, on the other side, to hold them accountable, you now have, dollars and tangible things as well uh, not just the fear of a reprimand or a suspension without limitation or right. expulsion yeah i say do it <laughs> yeah i mean look, look we're already we're already shifting that way with a lot of jurisdictions now including a background check right we we said for years the investigating committee was good enough now we're, we're throwing this extra layer of well, let's just let's just double check, right, and make this thing a little bit more uh, secure, Jason. But uh, how does but, that how does that play into the dwindling financial state of masonry now that now 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 do um, Masonic charges and Masonic trials have to have actual counsel? Well, they can. Like, if that someone, yeah. If someone <laughs> breaks an obligation, does you know the Grand Lodge need to take them to small claims court? Right. That's true. For breach <laughs> that's a, of contract. Well, that's an interesting. What if? Point. What if in stating the case, the plaintiffs have to break their own obligations? This happens already. <laughs> this is like we've got us. We've actually had um, instances in where. Uh, a brother has broken his Masonic obligations and the Grand Lodge, I, which will remain uh, nameless at this time. And if you really want to know, buy me a beer. Um, they won't get rid of the brother, expel them or whatever for fear of pending lawsuits. Ooh. Mm. So, I got you. 
Okay, I mean, uh, we got we, a good example. We're here. We're here already. The UK yeah. had to deal with this. That's we, true. We've been here 10 years ago, so I'm not going to name the lodge, but you may see me at it from time to time. But there was, uh, there was a brother who was brought up on charges very deservedly because he did some things that, you know, in the South may seem commonplace, but not cool in a Masonic lodge. So we'll and leave it at that. And he got brought up on charges. And to your point, uh, Jason, he actually brought in a counsel, an attorney, um, to defend him at a Masonic trial, which I thought was amazing, number one. Wow. Um, I was like, well, damn. Number mm-hmm. two, he was found not guilty of these Masonic charges. And then he slapped the brothers that brought him up on charges with a defamation suit in civil court. Oh, and, and he whoa. won. And he won. And these people had to pay monetarily out of pocket for defaming this person within the walls of a Masonic lodge. Holy smokes. Oh, let that sink in in your so mind. That already happened, right? So we're already at that, that level to your point. Which means it is just cosplay. If you tell me I can't play with you guys, I'm going to go to the real world and make it hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go tell on mom or go yep. tattle to mom. Well, that's well, what the corporate world does. But yeah, well, I mean, story. <laughs> so so one question that's brought up in the chat here is, well, would that hurt recruitment even further? Like, well, gonna, now I'm, I'm signing something yeah, or, or just, yeah, or, you know what I mean? You know what the intent is, right? That would people be a little scared away if they said, well, by the way, you're actually going to have to sign some legal documents, some NDAs. Uh, I like the NDA approach into yeah. Freemasonry. So, um, and then the non-compete. So yeah. if we expel <laughs> you and kick you out, you can't join another order. You can't go to LDH. Or you can't you can't create your own uh, grand lodge <laughs> with blackjack and hookers. No. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, you can. You just got to get recognized. Well, by the not, not, if Masters not if it's there. a non-compete. Not, not if you break the NDA. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You're right. You're just right. call it something else. Call it the Order of the Glittery Unicorn or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think they already tried that up in Massachusetts. It didn't work. Nice. Right, I would join something that had glittery unicorns in it. Where would you say it was? Massachusetts? Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, me too. S- send me a link. Go. I'm there. How much are dues? If you're active, you're it's free. Okay, nice. <laughs> we, we we don't have a problem with dues dodgers there. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's a meme. Dues dodgers. Uh-oh. In the 24th and a half century. <laughs> Love it. Great show we used to have. (laughs) All right. So, John, what's next on your list about obligations? You know, so it's. I'm trying to trying to see where else we can take this 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 angle or this question. I mean, religious perspective. Yeah. So there's definitely that, right? So. Oh yeah. One thing that that often comes up is. Well, you guys are obviously, you know, worshiping Satan because you swear oaths. You obviously swear. You're not denying that you don't swear oaths. And it says right in, right in the good book here, it says that you are not supposed to swear oaths. So therefore you're the devil or you're worship the devil. And, and to that, I say, I did a little homework. I did a little research in here, what that actually means, because, uh, that the problem with biblical literalism as Jason and Joe would, would dive into is that 
you, the translation is lost anytime you convert it to don't tempt English. Me. <laughs> it's not even a translation issue. It's, it's not even a tra- It's just context, no. right? Absolute context. God makes covenants in the Bible here, right? So I've I've actually whipped out uh, uh, an NIV study Bible here with lots of lots of text. Every text below here is is all commentary on the above. So specifically, we're going to look at Matthew. What are we here? Matthew thirty three to thirty seven, all about oaths. And specifically, you know, it says uh, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, "Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord." the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. This is Jesus talking either by heaven for it is God's throne or by the earth for it is his footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great King. And do not swear by your head for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to simply say is yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Okay. So Jesus says, don't make an oath at all. Don't swear an oath at all. That's not what he said, but, but, the context is important here, right? So, um, obviously, he's talking about um, the looking at the the study notes here, right? There's an Old Testament reference to Leviticus nineteen twelve, where the Old Testament insisted that people must fulfill their vows. Uh, people says not to take vows at all. He's particularly concerned about the Pharisaic practice, the Pharisees, of swearing by something other than God Himself to create a lesser degree of accountability. So specifically verses 34 and 35, give us examples of how lesser objects by which some swore were still closely related to God, but the prohibition apparently does not rule out all solemn statements about the truth of a matter. Since even Paul himself assures his readers before God that he does not lie. So Paul swears before God that he does not lie in what Galatians about, 120. What, what about the, uh, forger who wrote and forged paul's name we'll get yeah we'll get to that anyway <laughs> love where that's you're going the, that's on the Ooh. chapter about get docusign it's five bucks <laughs> and and god himself confirms his promises with oaths right in hebrews six seventeen. so that was also brought up in the chat right we have covenants with god right and rainbows but the problem here was that oaths were being used as occasions for deceitfulness mm. depending on by what they were sworn so it's kind of like you know back back in like elementary school would, would you swear on your mom that 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 you that's true well no i wouldn't swear on my no. mom but I, i'd swear on my trapper keeper you're like john's okay. mom maybe yeah <laughs> so yes a, a lesser lady. a lesser that, that's what it's saying is that um there was a Pharisaic tradition that they would swear on lesser things, but Jesus is like, look, all these are created by God, right? So your oaths are, should still be binding and stop trying to weasel out of your promises. Make your yes, yes, and your no, no, right? And so in any regular uh, and well-organized lodge, we actually do make our oaths and obligations upon the holy book of choice and before God and your brothers, so we are making oaths before God, top of the line, no deceitfulness. Like we're trying to at least instill that. Uh, well, that to nature. your point, to but, your point, it's always to to our our personification of our supreme being, right? It's never to my bros. It's never to the lodge. It's always correct. 
in the presence of everybody or right. it, within but, the walls of this thing, but it is to your idea of a supreme being. Right. right? And it's made within a sacred space. If you're not cosplaying. Yeah. Followed by dinner and green beans. Yes. Exactly. Or preceded by. Or preceded yes. by. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, so I think that's an interesting you know, point is that we make, you know, we make oaths to, to in front of a deity on purpose, right. To, to enforce yeah. that. Um, so, you know, so no, we're not, we're not devil worshipers. Uh, we're not, um, you know, violating any sort of natural code by, by making promises, right. We are a fraternity that makes promises to each other and none of them violate any sort of, um, code outlined in the Bible. So that's, that's another nice thing about it, right? We are warned ahead of time that none of the things that we, uh, we swear to violate this, right? So you got a little, you got a little bag. I got a little cute little bag. You that's little so cute. Carrying handle. This thing is huge. I need something to carry that. That is cute. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I saw RJ's working on finding some good beams. Show needs more memes. Oh yeah, I had one up for you here. Well, you didn't yeah. post it. Go ahead. You get there. Uh, let's see. Share. Who's that handsome car dealer? <laughs> He's a good guy. He's a good guy <laughs> with the weird hands. Yeah. <laughs> so many oh, yeah, my hand. I don't know what to do with my hands he's like blue lodge York right Scottish right so many oaths <laughs> all right so, so uh, go if, ahead, we're, if we're talking about divine accountability do we want to stray into you know anything around you know more visceral accountability sure uh, let's penalties so we, right so we do have the the guilt penalty that comes with violating those. And we also then talk about explicit or implicit, um, actual violent, you know, what will happen to you if you violate your obligations? Yeah. In some jurisdictions. Yeah. Like Minnesota has, right. Said, that's what I was thinking. Right. Like I, we heard from Nick, I think a long time ago, he said something like they tell you what these are, but then they say these like, are just like symbolic under the symbolic penalty people. of like, being shunned by my yeah. brethren yeah it's something goofy <laughs> being uh, not invited to the lodge pig roast oh man <laughs> oh no curses i won't be able Boo. to boiled again uh, undercooked pork <laughs> uh, mm. um yeah man so like freemasonry is amazing because it was this progressive moral science mm -hmm. in a time when the rest of the world was really, um, you know, operating under the King's law and all of these sort of trappings of control. Masonry allowed for uh, philosophy and the sciences to sort of flourish, not in all cases, but uh, there's definitely uh, a thread of that woven throughout the enlightenment and renaissance and what's interesting is at some point 
masonry let the outside world uh, pass it in terms of its quote unquote, I'll say that progressiveness, because, you know, you, you can't mention being progressive without being called, you know, political or something. Um, but the idea here that I'm getting at is the outside world deals with this. I mean, we've, we just had people that have signed that, that took oaths for government office that, uh-huh. you know, they, they took their oaths, not on a Bible. Mm-hmm. You know right? that every government um, official, whether like civilian or elected or not, takes an oath of office. An oath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the the things that recently came up in the news was uh, they took an oath on like, oh, something crazy. Like, don't, I'll have to look it up, but it was something wild, like Carl Sagan's biography or something. I mean, it was was out there. Go ahead and find it. We'll we'll bring that up. Yeah. While you're doing that, um, you know, one thing you mentioned earlier about like Scott Duvall taking a different obligation that brings up a really interesting point because if you know the answer to the question of what makes you a Mason and you know that obligations and oaths are different in different jurisdictions, then the, the real question becomes, are, is someone less of a Mason according to the um, transitive properties of association, right? Or, because again, if, if I have an obligation that has five clauses and your jurisdiction has four of those five clauses, but you didn't, but you didn't take the same fifth, the fifth clause I did, then we're not equal. Like we did not promise the same things, but I mean, by, by the literal definition. So we have this thing called, you know, recognition and amity across grand jurisdictions, but it's kind of a sellout because we actually have taken different, commitments and different obligations. Yes. So what do you do about that? I mean, that hurts my head. I mean, like from a like logical saying that whole thing. So I don't know. Well, from like a logical perspective, by definition, they don't, they have not taken the same oath of responsibilities that I have. And so I can't give them the 100% equivalent Masonic recognition of brotherhood. I hate to say it, but, but, but by definition, there is, there are clauses that were either worded differently, which again, you could just say are different turns of phrase. They say the same thing, or there's some things that just are omitted outright. And that's when I have a problem. Well, I think, I think to your point, not that I'm going to agree with you because I don't. Yeah. Slow but, down. Um, <laughs> so, I think this comes to as as much as I hate to say it. I think this gets into the example of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law kind of thing, you know, Very true. So, yep. you know, because what's not going to happen is we're not going to, we're not going to have, you know, in a Virginia lodge, we're not going to have an Indiana only section where, you know, they get to sit in a corner uh, with all the grumpy past masters. Why not? That would be great. We don't, we don't shut up and just talk all day long. We'll just put them <laughs> with them. And then all the other Masons can go hang out. I think it's, it's, you know, you were there, you were there for the same reason. The wording may be different because there are innovations in masonry. I know <gasps> I said, yeah, and things change over time. But I think if, if I, I, 
that's never popped into my head. And I've met Masons from so many different jurisdictions. And so have you that I've never looked at Robert and said, Robert's less of a Mason because, you know, he doesn't have clause 24. Well, you didn't life. say that out loud. I didn't <laughs> think I am less of a Mason. Um, so check this out. Um, perhaps most egregiously uh, and to the chagrin of many that takes us too far. A Missouri councilwoman used a Dr. Seuss book to be sworn into office in order to break tradition. The one that I was referring to, actually, though, was uh, Dr. Mackenzie Lystrip swearing in uh, in NASA. She was the first woman ever to lead the, uh, the Maryland Space Center. And when she was sworn in, she was sworn in not on a Bible, but on a hardback edition of Carl Sagan's Pale Blue Dot. Mm. Good book. Interesting. Interesting. It's a dope book. But this, this is what's interesting to me, though. Um, I, I get the Missouri lady that is like in a world outside of itself. That is something where she's pushing back kind of against tradition and whatever. In this case, uh, what you what you have here is somebody's faith in something greater. That's only exemplified in the only text she could think of that perhaps gave this to her is this particular book. And what's what wilds me out is the backlash that we saw from uh, many people, traditionalists, um, that it was considered like uh, rude or whatever. But the fact remains is that like, this is her obligation. And if that's the thing that identifies and binds her obligation to be solemn and sworn and locked up tight, then that's what matters. Yes. Yeah, because now we're getting into the whole deity question, right? Yeah. The supreme being question, which we, we have talked about. We've that. talked about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm sure we could all go down that, that path again, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, what makes an obligation binding, which is really the big question of, of tonight. So now we're at the final question time. So the final question time is tonight, which is, this is a fun one. And you don't have to take it too serious if you don't want to. If you were to add a clause to the oath or obligations that you took, what would you add were you given the choice? Right. So this is something like, hey, you know, I wish our grandma or our jurisdiction included this additional section that we all had to take. Right. Or that or that every Mason around the world had to take the same additional clause. Right, so not we're not negating anything. That's what makes us Masons. But if we if we were to add something to it, give you some time to think about that. I just can't believe we're at final question already. I know it's been fun. Yeah. So who's ready? Who's ready to jump in and, and lead the lead the pack? I furthermore swear that I will not be a dick. I was going to darn it. See, I seriously thought that question up. I knew that I knew that Wheaton's law was going to be added in. So, so go ahead and tell us about Will, Will Wheaton's law. Wheaton's law. Oh my goodness. Uh, Wheaton's law coined by Will Wheaton of Star Trek, the next generation fame. Um, it is very simple and it is just do not be a dick. Short and sweet. Yeah. 
Awesome. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome. I'll, I'll let Joe go because he always complains about going after. <laughs> after well, me. But Jason, now, actually, Jason yeah. actually took my answer already. So, but yeah, no, I, <laughs> no, I don't honestly don't have anything to add. I don't think I, because the way I interpret the obligation and the way I've taken the obligation, the way I've given the obligation to a bunch of dudes. Um, it, it's kind of like what, what Jason was talking about before. It is a, an oath to your deity in the presence of all these people who you want to allow you into their tight knit group of people who love each other for lack of a better term. Right. So it's, it's, you're making a representation that you're going to take that trust on of people who probably don't know you very well, but you know, you, you made the cut. Um, in some jurisdictions, you made the cut probably a bit too easily, but you made the cut and just live by the things that you say and, you know, let, let your actions speak for you. And so, yeah, I don't, other than Wheaton's law, I don't think we need to add anything else. I think we just need to maybe treat it a bit more seriously than just mere words that are repeated back to you. Sorry. Concur. Good stuff. All right. How about you, Robert? Um, I would like to see verbiage contained within the obligation that perhaps gives more teeth to some of the items that are contained within the charge of, uh, let's just say an entered apprentice, maybe, maybe something along the lines of, uh, you know, I swear that I won't be a member here after of any organization that, uh, espouses the cause of, any organization advocating the overthrow of the United States government by force or uh, illegal means. Um, because I think it's very crucial. Wouldn't, I, wouldn't I think most all attempts to overthrow the government be by illegal means. Yeah, they would. Okay. And so here's the thing. I, I guess what I'm getting at like is, voting depends on whose law. Yeah. Uh, I think what's crucial is that, uh, we, we've talked about this quite a bit in the last few years, especially at uh, a lot of lodges around here, that it's not enough to say, are you a member of any organization of which membership in the Masonic fraternity is not compatible? Ooh, interesting. We ask that. That's it. That means like you could be a member of the worst hate group on the planet, but if they don't care that you're a Mason, you're cool. I think it's crucial to recognize like that there is a fundamental philosophy within Freemasonry and that you cannot be a member of an organization that is, you know, antithesis to that. Uh, I would add something like that into, into the obligation uh, just because. Yeah. Make it, make it clear. That'd be cool. All right. And over to me, I actually have uh, an interesting take on this too. Hot take, if you will, it's a, as the kids would say. Um, in most contracts, you also have a termination clause. And so I would probably say the only thing I would add is a termination clause where if, oh, so what is a termination clause first? Termination clause, in summary, it's a written provision and agreement that defines the circumstances 
under which said agreement can be terminated. Termination can happen before the duties outlined in the agreement are filled. So um, I think what this would do is make it explicit that, hey, if you ever don't feel like you can or want to uphold the obligation that you took, now we have a process to formally say you can now demit, right? We have a demit process already, but make it clear that, hey, if you're really not going to take this serious, we want you out, right? We want you to feel like you're not in it because you're, you're stuck with, through divine penalty. No, you can get out. Like if you, if, anytime you feel like you don't, do not want to uphold those, uh, those oaths and obligations, then, you know, we allow you to, to leave under good causes. Again, we, people leave free. At will. Yeah, at, uh, exactly. People leave all the time through demits, not payment of dues, etc. But we're now just making it clear that this is what you promised to when you came in. If any of those things change, cause Hey, people change, life changes, circumstances change. Um, if any of those change for any reason, then we're, we're now going to terminate this, uh, this structure, right? So, cause we're not treating people as ordained, right? That's a, it's a lifelong commitment, right? We're just saying, this is what you promised. If you ever feel like you're promised, you're, you're, you need to change your promise. Then always amazing, John. No, 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 no. <laughs> let's get you out of here, but let's do it in the most friendly way. So that's erased from existence. Nice, nice quote. I love it. So that's my that's my two cents. This has been a great episode. I want to thank everyone for watching. So we'll see you next week. Let's keep uh, see you next week and keep searching for more light. Have a good night. Remember your oats. Wow. Honey bunches of oats.